Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Denver Stiff Show. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night following the opening game of the NBA restart. Lots of stuff to talk about there. Won't talk about it tonight. I will get into just a little bit of it tonight, but, but very brief. I am joined today by a special guest. He has previously written for Bleacher Report, SB Nation, Five Reason Sports, Dime Magazine. It's one of the best content creators out there for sure. Make sure to check him out. It's Nikias Duncan at Nekias or Nikias, excuse I totally just butchered that immediately after we started <laughs> talking. Uh, Nikias, how are you, man? I am doing pretty well, man. How about yourself? I'm pretty good. I, I'm, I'm so excited that the NBA is back. Been super busy. Uh, love to be busy though, for sure. It has been great. Uh, and, and, Basketball's back, man. It's been four and a half months. We we haven't had this in a long time. Been really looking forward to it. We saw the first game happen. Uh, Jazz Pelicans played on TNT tonight. Uh, Jazz took that by two points. Uh, what was what was the? Uh, well, first of all, I'll just ask you, how great was it just to see live basketball again? Uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's a bit uh, it's a bit bittersweet. Just because I've been pretty vocal about the restart not needing to happen just because right. of the pandemic going on and the protesting going on. So it's been a bit bittersweet. But, um, I mean, there's too much money at stake for it not to come back. And for what it's worth, the NBA has done as good of a job as they could have, um, considering the circumstances they've created this bubble or the campus, as Adam Silver would refer, refer it to. Um, right. No, no positive tests so far inside the bubble. So I mean, they're they're doing the best that they can. So I mean, it's, it's nice to have the NBA back within that context. They are safe. Um, it's cool to um, cool to interact with a lot of my online friends about basketball again, or at least about the NBA because the WNBA season is start kicking off last weekend. I've enjoyed that quite a bit as well. But um, of course, it's it's fine. Just trying to get back into the flow of things since it's happening. It has been weird, uh, given that everything is shut down for a long time. It's been weird getting back into the swing of things, and, and I'm looking forward to doing it just as, as much as we possibly can. But I actually did want to start with the with the racial injustice, social justice portion of this thing. Uh, the NBA and TNT did start with that and spent a lot of their time during their preview shows and during the intro for the actual start of the game talking about uh, racial injustice, social justice, the entire messages that they that they want to cover and don't want to lose focus on. Um, what did you think of TNT and and how they handled that situation and how the NBA has handled that situation at this point? Um, I appreciate how intentional the TNT broadcast was about um, bringing those issues back into the forefront. 
one of the major issues I had with this, the restart, you know, in the midst of everything happening is that once basketball started, that was going to dominate the conversation. And I was a little bit fearful that people were going to take that distraction and kind of take their eyes off of the larger issues going on in this country and in, and across the world, honestly. Right. Um, so I did appreciate TNT making an intentional effort to kind of recenter the conversation there. Um, the NBA has done an okay job, I feel. Um, they, I think it's just recently announced that they, um, they're putting quite a bit of money into some, um, some social pro, um, ah, uh, into some, uh, some social programs trying to, um, trying to help empower some people. Um, just right. donate to a lot of different causes. So I do appreciate that. Um, I've had a little bit of an issue with the, the Jersey thing. I feel like basically having prepackaged messages and not giving the players a lot of freedom with the messages they want to put them back in the jersey is kind of a bad look. You can't – I don't think you can shield criticism from people that didn't want the bubble to happen and kind of counter with, hey, we're going to give these guys a big platform to speak. Right, right, right. A big platform to express themselves. And then – once you announce that they're going to put custom messages on their jerseys, you only give them 10 to 12 choices to choose from. It's, it's a bit counter uh, contradictory. So I wasn't a fan of that, but overall I do think the NBA has done a pretty decent job of just kind of staying out of the way, um, letting players express themselves, particularly in the zoom meetings that have been going on. Um, Jalen Brown has been vocal. LeBron's been vocal. Um, a lot of a lot of stars, role players, a lot of players just across the league have been vocal about um, like Breonna Taylor um, and just a lot of the um, the police brutality issues around the country. So I, I appreciate that part of it. Um, there's sure. obviously room for improvement, but I do think the NBA is at least going in the right direction. I thought the intros that they played on uh, TNT with Meek Mill was very powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've done they've done some good stuff there, kneeling uh, for the flag and wearing all of the Black Lives Matter shirts. Every every player on every team, coach, uh, referee, uh, personnel, everybody was kneeling around the Black Lives Matter logo. That was very cool. Um, one, one of the people here, Jeremy Grant, on his Zoom call with the media his first time, he directed every, every single one of his answers back to Breonna Taylor. And I thought that that was mm-hmm. very important. Uh, like you talked about, there are definitely some holes in this discussion. There are definitely some some things that the NBA has to work on. Uh, I thought the players have really brought it over the past couple of weeks, and giving them a platform to speak their minds on everything has been very important. Uh, but like you said, the jersey thing, I had Jenna Garcia on a couple of weeks ago, and we discussed mm-hmm. that. It just it definitely feels at least a little bit managed, and, and you never want that to you you never want a large business like the NBA to feel like they're managing the voices of young black athletes. Right. And that's, that definitely left a sour taste in my mouth and her mouth. Uh, but overall, I, th- I think they've, they've hit most of the buttons that you need to during this NBA restart to make sure that this thing is not just focused on basketball. We're focusing on being healthy during the pandemic, zero tests while or zero positive tests while in the bubble and being focused on racial injustices and, and, and bringing about social change. So I, I'm glad that they did focus on that when they were bringing about the beginning of basketball. Um, mm-hmm. that, was, that was very powerful, and, and I, I loved it. It was, it was very good. Um, 
We are recording this right now during the Lakers and Clippers game. So, Nikias, I am very sorry for that. Sorry to do that to you. I know that that's probably something that you wanted to watch. And and if we get out of here quickly, then we may be able to catch the end of that. I'll I'll keep a tab open, if at all possible, to to check in on those scores. Um, but yeah, let's let's move to the Miami Heat because I think that that is the the primary reason why I, I wanted to talk to you today was just I, you're one of the most respected heat writers out there right now. And I think that your perspective on where the Miami heat are, how the nuggets match up with them, how, what the heat are going to do to try and beat the nuggets on Saturday. I think that's very important. So you ready to talk some heat. Yes, sir. Let's do it. Awesome. Um, because the heat are in the Eastern conference, the nuggets and nuggets fans don't really get a lot of perspective on who they are as a team, what their identity is. The Nuggets actually played the Heat back at like November, uh, mm-hmm. very beginning of November this season, and and Nuggets won going away in that one. But that version of the Heat team was very different. Uh, Duncan Robinson wasn't starting, things like that. Uh, so, Nikias, who are the Miami Heat in your eyes in this playoff discussion, and what would you consider the identity of that team right now? Um, this identity is a lot different than past Heat teams. Um, when you think of the Miami Heat, when you think of Eric Spolstra, you think of hard-nosed defense. Um, guys that are going to be in your jersey. They're going to um, put you on the floor if you drive to the basket. They're going to grind out possessions, and they're going to try to win games 91-86. This right. year, it has been the total opposite. Um, Miami has consistently been a top-10 offense. They're seventh in offensive rating this year. Um, the defense has slid. They've been middle of the pack. and they're only middle of the pack because they and it's kind of surprising that they're still in the middle of the pack because the defense has declined every month this season in terms of defensive rating. Right. Okay. Um, so if you're thinking about this heat team now, they are a team that still doesn't play with a super high pace, but they want to operate from the, um, operate from the elbows. Um, a lot of dribble handoffs lead the NBA in dribble handoff possessions. They're going to run the offense through Bam out of bio through Jimmy Butler in that way. And they're going to get up some shots from perimeter. Um, they are the NBA's most accurate three-point shooting team this year. Right. They've, taken, they've made that on high volume. That's led by Duncan Robinson, as you mentioned earlier. He has been one of, if not the best shooter in the NBA this season. Um, just knocking down an incredible amount of high-difficulty um, high three-pointers. Um, off of dribble handoffs, fly, flying off of screens, relocation, spot up, whatever you, you can think of, he's done it. So he's been pro- he's probably been their most dangerous offensive weapon in that regard. He just bends the defense in a way that they don't have um, anyone else on the roster that can do that. Um, but from there, it's Bam Adebayo operating from the elbow. Um, got tremendous rim runner, um, tremendous passer from the high post, um, sure. burning post game against switches, um, can attack the basket. Um, one of the best bigs in the league in terms of getting to the free throw line this year. Um, that's a thing that he's kind of flashed in a small sample earlier in his career, but now that he has the starting role, he's been able to get to the line a lot more this year. So he's broken out a bit. Jimmy Butler has been tremendous. The jumper has completely left him this year, which is concerning. Right, right, right. Right off context. Yeah. But career high in assists, career high in rebounds. He's been a stellar defender across three positions this year. He's brought it. Not only has he brought it on the court, he's brought it off the court. He's been a a hand-in-glove fit for that Heat culture that you probably hear so much about. So overall, the Heat are a good team. They are a flawed team, but they are a good team. 
Gotcha. Yeah. When when people talk about the Nuggets, a lot of them mention the Indiana Pacers as kind of their counterpart in the East. I'm not sure if that's even necessarily true. I, I really look at the Heat and I think, okay, hey, Jimmy Butler and Jamal Murray kind of fill a similar role. Jimmy's obviously been been better this season and a little bit more ball dominant than than what Jamal has. But Bam Adebayo and Nikola Jokic, that's probably even a better comparison than mm-hmm. DeMontis Sabonis and Nikola Jokic in a lot of cases. Uh, Bam, 16 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, a steal and a block, 60% true shooting. He was legit great this year. Uh, should continue to get better. Uh, what do you think about his growth this year? Was it expected, unexpected? Was this just like early for him and he broke out and but you, you kind of thought that that was going to happen? How, how did Bam Adebayo come to be this version of himself? Um, it's a lot of opportunity, and I would say that it probably came a little earlier than expected. If you've seen him throughout his the first couple of years of his career, you've known that he's a good rebounder. You've known that he's a good rim runner. You know that he has a nice touch around the rim. Um, the body control kind of gets a little haywire sometimes, but sure. he does have solid touch. Um, one of the first things you noticed about him when he came to the league was that he had fantastic feet defensively. Got him to get out on switches, hang with guards. Um, so you knew he could defend. It's just that he put it all together this year in a way that I'm not sure anyone outside of maybe he expected. Um, he's had some passing flashes, but he's legitimately turned into, what, the second or third best passing big in the NBA this year? Yeah, uh, very possible. Very possible it could be second. I mean, Jokic kind of runs away with that, but mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anybody else I would take over Bam right now. Yeah, like he, he's just fantastic fitting in pocket passes, finding cutters. Um, tossing lobs in high-low situations. He, he genuinely can do everything you want from him. He can grab a rebound, kind of push the break, and just find guys. It's, re- it's, it's absurd to watch sometimes to see a guy that size with that kind of mobility, that kind of length, that kind of skill. He kind of puts it all together in these, these kind of wild possessions. But um, he's just he's put it all together. Hassan Whiteside isn't there anymore. So stepping into a starter role, you kind of knew his numbers were going to go up. Right. Uh, I did not expect 16, 10, 5, 1, and 1. Especially yeah. on the efficiency that he's done it with, and he's still growing. He's even with those averages, he's been a different guy since the first um, meeting with Philadelphia. Um, Joel Embiid kind of ignored him offensively. He was hesitant to take jumpers, didn't make many of them. The Heat just couldn't score in general. Philly, Philadelphia ran away with the game, and from that game on, Bam basically became a twenty ten and five guy. He became a lot more wow. aggressive. He started taking those mid-range jumpers, taking more floaters out of those pick-and-roll situations with the big didn't fully commit. Um, still maintained his passing ability, and he was still doing all the funky stuff on defense. It, he just he legitimately looked like the best non-Giannis big in, in the East. We're we're gonna talk we're gonna talk more about Bam, and and we'll talk a little bit more about Jimmy in just a bit. Uh, but yeah, those guys, that duo is is really special. I I really like watching them play. They complement each other extremely well. Not necessarily on the shooting side, but if Bam adds that to his game, then man, that that is going to be one interesting duo and one interesting team uh, going forward for the next two years. And then we we haven't even talked about we we, we won't talk about twenty twenty one free agency, but that's apparently on a lot of people's <laughs> minds right now. Uh, who is the third best player on the Heat? Ooh, that is a very good question. That's why uh, I asked it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it might be Duncan Robinson, which yep. is a testament to just how absurd Duncan Robinson has been. 
but it also kind of highlights why the Heat may not be super serious title contenders. It's going to sure. be a very matchup-dependent thing for them this year. But, again, it's kind of hard to overstate just what Duncan Robinson means to that offense and what he brings as a shooter because, again, he's not just a spot-up guy. He is a guy that they they leverage off of those dribble handoffs with Bam out of bio. Um, sure. He's a guy, if you get a pick-and-roll with Kendrick Nunn and Bam out of bio for Jimmy Butler, Bam out of bio, or Jimmy Butler, whoever run the pick-and-roll, if they penetrate the basket, you have to keep a body on Duncan Robinson because if he's in the corner, he's lifting to the wing. He's relocating across the court if he needs to. He's a guy that can get loose in those scramble situations. You always have to have a body on him. And even if you do, he can drill those contested shots anyway. Uh, Miami's offense, offensive rating plummets when he's off the court in a way that, that doesn't even happen with Jimmy Butler or Bam, which is okay. a testament to just how unique his offensive skill set is and how important it is for this Heat team. They would not be the best three point shooting team in the league without him, which seems obvious. But yeah, again, I, I the way it. yeah, but the way that he does it, it's it's unique to a handful of guys in the league. And the fact that he was he looked awful in like a handful of games last year and signed on a minimum contract there, and he's turned into one of the most valuable starters in the league this year, is it's it's just incredible what he's been able to do. How tall is he? He is six eight. Man, that guy running around screens and and off of DHOs and cutting off of ball, you can't leave that guy a lot of space. It, it's a lot like Clay Thompson, I would say. That just hey, if you if you're there in the shooting window, it doesn't matter if your if your hand is down or or you're a short defender, then he's just going to rise over the top of you. That that's been one of the most interesting things to watch with that team for sure. Uh, I, I do have this working theory on the Heat that their shooting and their role playing shooting is is almost as important as their star contributions just because of how much of their identity is wrapped up in that shooting, like Duncan Robinson, Myers Leonard, Kendrick Nunn, uh, some of the other role-player shooters on the team, Kelly Olynyk, Goran Dragic, guys like that. Is mm. that just a bad take? Or, or what, what do you think of this team if their shooting isn't as great in the playoffs? Like, where, where do they sit? Um, I would probably agree with that take. Because when Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are your best players, and both of those guys are effectively non-shooters, um, Jimmy isn't threatening, and Bam just doesn't take enough shots for it to matter right now. You need that kind of shooting to create space for both of those guys to operate. Right. Um, just like the Heat employ a drop defense, a lot of teams employ a drop defense against Miami. Um, they want to pack the paint if they can, just to kind of keep Bam and Jimmy off the free throw line. So that's sure. why the dribble handoff with Bam and Duncan Robinson is particularly lethal because if you have your big at the free throw line, basically, Duncan Robinson doesn't need much space to fire off. And if you play off of him, that's setting up some short roll opportunities with Bam out of bio. And he's a good enough passer to kind of um, take advantage of those four on three situations or three on twos or whatever. or whatever. So I think having guys that can kind of bomb away from everywhere, um, Kendrick Nunn's probably the worst um, moderate volume shooter that they have, and he's a good one still. Yeah. Got to pull up whenever you need him to. Um, he's a drop killer, when he, especially once he gets going. Um, Goran Dragic has kind of added a step back and a side step three to his arsenal instead of being just a spot up guy. That's that's unlocked some stuff for him offensively as he's kind of as he's taking that bench role. Um, Kelly Olynyk a drop killer because he can kill you on pick and pops. Same thing with Myers Leonard doesn't shoot a lot of threes but drains them when he does take them. So I think just having that many guys that can shoot. 
and can shoot in a variety of ways really opens up the floor for Miami's two stars. It really goes hand in hand. Yeah, I, I want to pull on that thread a little bit with with their stars, with their style. Uh, when we come back, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the specific matchups and some game predictions for this game on Saturday. And we're back. Denver Stiff Show. Ryan Blackburn here joined today by Nikias Duncan. You can find his work. Actually, where can the people find your work? I know you've been looking for, for permanent stuff over the past couple of months. Uh, where, where can people find your stuff right now? Um, you can find my most recent stuff at Bleacher Report. I will have some words for, um, for Five Reasons Sports. You can catch my voice there. You can catch my voice in Miami Heat Beat. I'm going to have some WNBA words for Dime coming soon, so keep an eye out for that. Um, and otherwise, just follow me on Twitter at NakaiasNBA. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, everybody, if you're if you're looking for a Heat voice, for a WNBA voice, for a general NBA voice in general, uh, I just said that twice, uh, Nikias <laughs> is one of the best in the business. He he really is, and and he tracks every team as well as anybody on, on Twitter. So uh, make sure to check him out and give him a follow if you can. Uh, Let's get into some of these matchups and game predictions. You talked about the DHO versus the drop coverage and versus maybe playing at the level. The Nuggets like to play at the level with Nikola Jokic. He comes up in the pick and roll and really doubles two on the ball. Uh, if you have a big-time playmaker in Jimmy Butler, like he's 6'7", he's he can pass the ball over the top of the defense. If he gets that ball to Bam Adebayo on the short roll uh, – that's a really tough situation for the Nuggets to be in. And they give up a lot of corner threes and perimeter shots as a result of that. Um, is that something that you're looking for in this game on Saturday? And, and what do you think about the Nuggets style of just playing at the level as opposed to dropping with Nikola Jokic? Um, I think it's going to depend on who's initiating a lot of these pick and rolls. Because I think if it's Jimmy, if he can get Jokic into those pick and rolls, I think he's a good enough passer and he's obviously tall enough to get those passes over the top or drop in some bounce passes to Bam out of bio to kind of create those advantage situations. If it's Kendrick Nunn, it's more of a high variance thing because I think Kendrick can get a little erratic with his passes. And I think part of the reason why Denver plays Jokic in particular at the level is because he's much better – it, get, it flashes, flashing his hands in the passing lanes and kind of getting those deflections and um, generating turnovers. And that leads to a lot of easy buckets. Right. Um, Miami's defense has not been good. So if you're getting a lot of – if you're getting those quick buckets, it's like you're already put making Miami kind of um, fight uphill. And they can't afford, I don't think, to fall behind against a team like Denver because at the end of the day, if Denver wants to slow things down, they can't. They can just dump it down to Jokic on the block, and there just there isn't much you can do with that, right? So I, I do anticipate. I feel like there's going to be a pretty similar style between the two teams. I think it's going to be a lot of high pick and roll, um, a lot of pull up shots going to be coming both ways. I believe um, it's just going to be a matter of who um, who takes care of the ball, who can knock down those pull up shots. Yeah, and DHOs with with Bam and Jokic that'll be a staple. Uh, Jimmy Butler will get on the block. I know that. Uh, you talked about how when you guys faced Philly early in the season this year, 
Uh, how did Bam do guarding Joel Embiid in situations like that? And how do you think that changes with a guy like Jokic, or does it change? Um, I would say it's going to be similar in the fact that I don't think we're going to see much Bam on Jokic unless it's a close game late in the fourth. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Myers Leonard? Yes, I think it's going to be Myers Leonard. Um, Myers Leonard got the Joel Embiid matchup um, in all of the Philly matches that he was healthy for. And they kind mm. of spared Bam in that regard just because Joel Embiid is a guy that gets to the free throw line whenever he wants to. And right. even that matchup with uh, Miami and Denver, Myers Leonard and Kelly Olenek got most of the Jokic assignment while Bam Adebayo was hanging with Paul Millsap. So I would anticipate that's probably going to stay the same. Um, obviously, we get late into a late-game situation. You need to stop. Um, Myers Leonard isn't a guy that – he's mostly a guy that plays the first and third quarters. Again, Miami just kind of goes center by committee. Um, if they play big, it's going to be Bam and Kelly Olenek. If they go small, it's going to be Bam at the five. So depending on what the flow of the game looks like, we might see some Bam on Jokic late, but I don't anticipate seeing it early in the game. Okay. Uh, that's interesting. I, I didn't I, I thought that that could be a possibility just given the the personnel that Miami generally plays. Uh, given playing those two bigs, it might make sense to keep Bam out of foul trouble for as long as possible. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in that. Um, on the other side, with Jimmy Butler, uh, the Nuggets haven't seen Gary Harris play in any of the scrimmage games yet, and we don't know what his status is going to be. Uh, it, it was said that he was dealing with some hip stuff earlier in the week. Uh, I don't know if that's still the case, but Michael Malone has been very coy in terms of who his starters are going to be. Not necessarily his starters, but like who's actually playing in practice. Uh, we'll probably get some news on that Friday afternoon, tomorrow afternoon, but Gary Harris would have been my pick for guarding Jimmy in those situations. But uh, Will Barton is also dealing with knee soreness. He would be my second choice. Um, <laughs> if I had to guess, and this is purely speculative, I would guess that Torrey Craig starts in place of Gary Harris, who sits out on Saturday, and then he takes on the Jimmy Butler assignment. That's probably the best thing for Denver in terms of uh, matching size for size. Uh, but I, we, we may not see Denver's initial starting lineup at the jump. and and that starting lineup actually did a really good job against Jimmy Butler in the first segment or the first, the first matchup between these two teams. Uh, how would you feel if any of those guys was guarding Jimmy and what are some of the ramifications do you think if, if Torrey Craig is in the lineup versus Gary Harris or Will Barton? Um, I would say if it's Torrey Craig, I feel like that's probably the best individual body that can throw on Jimmy Butler. Um, Craig is one of the best and one of the most underrated defenders in the league. So I think he has he has the ability to kind of stick with Jimmy. He has the strength to kind of absorb those blows. Um, he's had some variance in terms of his discipline. So you have to watch that because Jimmy loves to beat guys in the fouls. But yeah. in general, Tech has the aptitude to be able to defend a guy like Jimmy Butler. The ramification of that is that Miami is going to treat him like a non-shooter. Throughout his career, Torrey Craig has mostly been a non-shooter. Um, he has gotten better over the course of his career, particularly on corner threes. And that's where right. Denver would likely stay. I would obviously lean to your expertise expertise on that. But um, I don't think Miami's going to guard him as a guy that they need to worry about on the perimeter. It's going to help them junk up some of the inside stuff. Um, Nikola Jokic, as we mentioned earlier, is the best big man passer in basketball, um, has a knack for finding cutters. And I think Miami already has some super aggressive help tendencies this year, particularly at the nail. So I do think they'll be able to kind of sink down more in the paint if Torrey Craig is in. And then mm. kind of junk up some of those cuts. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Tori, he shot well in the previous or the last scrimmage game that the Nuggets played, but it is a scrimmage game. It's one game. Uh, over, over the course of his time, the uh, the Nuggets have not been good on offense when Tory Craig has been out there, and it just it's pretty pretty self explanatory. I think that he he just isn't really a ball handler and a playmaker. And then when teams don't treat him as a shooter, it junks up everything else, no matter if he's shooting well or not. So mm-hmm. that's going to be really tough. Uh, who do you think guards Jamal Murray on Saturday? Um, the Heat don't like to cross match much, which is a thing I've had issue with in the past. So um, Kendrick Nunn is back. He did have um, a bout with COVID before the restart. Interesting. Um, he, finally, he finally appeared in the scrimmages kind of later on. So Kendrick Nunn is the starter, which I anticipate he will be. He's going to get the Jamal Murray matchup, and that is going to be interesting. Um None started out the year as a pretty solid defender, but as the season gone on, became a little bit more um, – became stickier to screens, could not fight over those. So with Jamal Murray being a pull-up artist, or at least in theory, um, this could – it would not surprise me if the final boss score has Jamal Murray um, with something like 35, 36 points if he, if he has wow. to jump the board. He's going ha- to have those opportunities because I just don't think Kendrick Nunn is going to be able to fight over those screens. So um, it, it wouldn't surprise me if it was a big night for him. Um, so he's going to get some shots up. Yeah, Murray played really well in his in his scrimmage. He was he was looking great, and not only did he not only did he play well, he just honestly looks like a different level of athlete out there right now. Just bigger, stronger, faster, uh, which I was I was really surprised about. But he is he is that kind of guy that it's it's been a long time coming, but he's finally really sat down and and put in that work with his body. So. I'm I'm interested to see whether he dictates that matchup and whether they decide, okay, hey, Kendrick Dunn's getting killed out here. Uh, Jimmy Butler, hey, we kind of need you to to get on this guy real quick. Uh, maybe that's a late game thing. Uh, what do you think with Kendrick Dunn? Do you think it's more about the fact that he is a rookie and that he was just kind of hitting a rookie wall, or and and maybe now he's he's gotten some rest and he's going to look better? What what do you think of that is? I think to be fair to him, I do think he looked a little bit better in the scrimmages. Of course, these are scrimmages, but he did look a little bit springier on the defensive scene. wasn't still wasn't great, but you could see him having an easier time fighting over those screens and kind of staying attached to the ball handler. So since this is early in the restart, it wouldn't surprise me if he does have a decent game. Um, I've just seen too much from him this season to kind of trust that to have the optimistic view with him because he's just been a pretty bad pick and roll defender for 85% of the season. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's good to know. And, and that could be really interesting heading into this matchup because I, I don't think that he can put Duncan Robinson on Murray. Uh, that's, that's a bad idea. I don't think that if Kendrick Nunn spends most of the time on on Murray, then that could be a really good opportunity for Murray in those situations. Uh, it, which duo would you rather have in the bubble? Would you rather have Jimmy and Bam, or would you rather have Murray and Jokic at this point? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, first and foremost, I think Jokic is the best player out of their four. Okay. The issue is I think Murray is pretty well behind Bam and Jimmy. Okay. So I think I would just have – I think I would rather have the Bam and Jimmy duo because I, I don't – I'm not super high on Jamal Murray. Um, he's a better shooter in theory than he is in practice right now. The decision-making hasn't been great. Um, what we saw from him last year, um, 
in last year's playoffs was super encouraging, and that's what Denver wants him to be. Um, I still wasn't a big fan of the extension that they gave him because I right. feel like that was more of a flash than what he is right now. And then during the regular season, he was fine. Would you agree with that? I think he was just fine. He didn't make the leap that many yeah, hoped that yeah, he would I, this year. I think I, I've, I am a notorious Jamal Murray backer in terms of mm-hmm. like Nuggets writers and analysts. Um, I think he's he's still in line to make a jump, but you're right. Like, hey, during the during the regular season, it wasn't a jump that he made. He made some incremental progress in certain things. He was a better defender, better passer, uh, less efficient as a three-point shooter, and that was a bad thing. Uh, I think he's going to make some steps in this bubble, and how close he gets to the overall impact of Bam Adebayo would probably swing this for me, but I think it's really a 50, 50 thing with both of those duos. And, and really you start, have to look with the, with the other supporting players rather than mm-hmm. just those duos, because it's pretty close. Yeah. I say that's fair. Um, I, said, I, I just think the, the two way play of both Bam and Jimmy kind of swings it. And you mentioned that Murray is a better defender. Um, he, I, from the little I've seen from him this year, he does look better than he did in years prior. I still wouldn't call him a significant plus in that regard. Right. And then even if you compare those two, Bam can switch one through five in a pinch. Jimmy can guard one through four in a pinch. Yeah. And improve Jamal Murray can maybe defend two positions. Yeah. Hey, no, that those are those are all really good points. And Jokic isn't exactly the most versatile defender right. either. So it's it's a very fair thing. I think the Denver's ceiling on offense with those two is higher than what it is with Jimmy and Bam right now. But mm-hmm. the defense is is definitely a thing that, that you have to consider. Uh the Nuggets have consistently been a pretty good defensive team over the past couple of years though. They've but you're right, they have they have questions there to be clear. Um who is the X factor on Miami and that will be the difference maker in this particular game outside of Jimmy and Bam? In this particular game it's going to be Kendrick Nunn. Okay. He's he's gonna have to make good decisions, especially if um Denver traps him in pick and roll. Um they normally show Jokic at the level, but he steps up a little bit higher. Kendrick has to make not only good decisions, he has to make quick decisions just so Miami have those advantage situations on the floor. Um on the defensive end, again, it's gonna be up to him to stay attached on those screens. Um even if they go to Nikola Jokic in the high post and let him kind of chill at the elbow and you have Jamal Murray cutting or whatever. He has to stay attached to that. He can't ball watch. He can't fall behind. As as you've seen, it doesn't take much room for Jokic to get a pass through. Oh, yeah. And Jamal Jamal Murray's a pretty solid finisher. So if Kendrick Nunn brings it defensively and makes quick decisions on the offensive end, I think he can can swing this game. Yeah, it seems seems like a, a pretty straightforward thing there. Uh, given the matchup, given what he means to the Miami Heat on both sides of the ball, uh, he could definitely be a swing player. Uh, for the Nuggets, I'm, I honestly don't know until until I really see who is actually going to be on the court. Uh, I, I assume that the the starting lineup is going to be out there, but like I said, I gave you the prediction that Torrey Craig will be out there, so maybe I'll go Craig. Maybe I'll say, hey, uh, if he continues to guard – really well if he's solid if he hits enough threes if he spaces the floor enough then as long as the nuggets don't get killed in those minutes then i think he's probably the x factor in this particular game just because i, I do expect him to have a role um mm-hmm. 
the Heat traded for Iguodala, Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill at the deadline. We haven't even touched those guys. Uh, are they going to be impact players off the bench? What is their what is their role on this team right now? Uh, I think Jay Crowder is going to be a he's going to be a high minute role guy. I think okay. Andre Iguodala is going to be a high minute role guy, contingent on what his corner three looks like. So he has shot the three ball well in Miami. In a, mm-hmm. in a small sample. If that continues, Eric Spolstra obviously trusts, trusts the other stuff. He's a good on-ball defender. He's an incredibly smart off-ball defender. Um, ball mover, screen slipper, screen setter offensively. Again, if he has the corner three going, he's going to be in closing lineups. So those two, those two are going to play a lot of minutes, and they're probably going to play a lot of minutes late, especially if Miami decides to go small. Um, Solomon Hill, I don't anticipate him having a role unless one of the wings gets hurt. If Crowder gets hurt or Iguodal gets hurt or even if Derrick Jones Jr. either gets hurt or just is a complete zero on offense, which isn't out of the realm possibility. It wouldn't surprise me if Eric's supposed to give Solomon Hill a look just because he does he has had that three and D profile um over the midst of his career. Sure. So I I think I think Solomon Hill's gonna be the break glass in case of emergency guy, more so than a um more so than a rotational player. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, those guys, I, I would probably say make up the eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th spots on the, on the pecking order in the rotation right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if that uh, stop me, if I'm, if I'm speaking gibberish right there. Uh, but no, I think they, they could certainly be impactful. I'm, I'm surprised that more people weren't talking about Jay Crowder when he was moved with Iguodala. Uh, I think Jay's probably the better player right now, even though his, his shot is kind of whack, but uh, we're going we're gonna to see what happens there. If the Nuggets decide to play Michael Porter Jr., and I think that they will, who on Miami can guard him? And, and do you think that they can hang physically with a guy like that? Um, Jimmy absolutely can. Bam absolutely can. After that, it's uh, it getting a little tough. Um, Jay Crowder has the physicality to do it. He just does not have the size. Sure. Um, I think a similar sentiment is with Iguodala, um, has the strength, obviously has the quick hands to kind of deflect the ball before the shot goes up. But Michael Porter Jr. is 16. If the shot does go up, uh, Iguodala isn't going to have much of an effect on it. So I think those are the four guys that you would you would see taking turns on MPJ if he does get minutes and if he gets a lot of minutes. Uh, if he if it's just him in the second unit, it's it's going to get a little bit tough though. I would I would anticipate Denver feeds him pretty consistently if he's out there. He's going to have some mismatches out there. Interesting. Uh, that's yeah. That's that seems to me like a a really good matchup advantage for Denver. Just because if if you're if you're right about Iguodala, Jay Crowder, those guys, I don't think the Nuggets would be all that remiss if they put Porter on those guys defensively because they're not going to be super creators. They're going to be more off-ball shooters, and, and shooters at that is a real big question mark. Mm-hmm. Um, that, to me, seems like a, a matchup that the Nuggets could really exploit if they decide to go to it. I just don't know how often they're going to go to it and if Michael Malone can bring himself to do that. Yeah, what What is the deal with uh, Mr. Malone and MPJ, and just young guys in general? Because it seems like he has a pretty short leash for them. Yeah, uh, it's it's an, an independent of all the – the dumb stuff that Michael Porter Jr. has said over the past few days. Um, It's, it's, well, I mean, you know, I don't even want to go there right now. Um, 
But MPJ, he was really raw at the beginning of the season. He continues to make a bunch of defensive mistakes, and Michael Malone just cannot handle it with him most of the time. But it was clear from the get-go that he just had extreme amounts of talent uh, to go with him. And and when he got the opportunities that he got, he usually made the most of them offensively. There were times where he the shot just wasn't dropping for him, but more often than not, it really is. I mean, you you, you could see his numbers. He's He's got that 58% true shooting. It probably should be even higher than that. He finishes around the rim really well. He shot the three ball really well. Um, if he gets out there, and I think he can be a very physically dominant player against a team like Miami that's a little bit smaller on the wings and at the four, uh, other than Bam, of course. I, I just don't know like whether Michael Malone will be able to trust him against a team that has a bunch of three-point shooters and Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn and and – Bam out of bio and, and how physically dominant he can be. Uh, we're going to see though. I think this is going to be a big test for Michael Malone and, and where his rotation is at. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah. Hey, given where the two teams are right now, uh, I want your prediction for Saturday, what your confidence level is in that prediction from one to 10. Ooh. Uh, honestly, I would, my initial thought is to give it to Denver because I just don't trust Miami's defense right now. Okay. And Denver kind of had their way in the first matchup. Um, obviously, the teams are a lot different, which, as a brief aside, I would like to say, um, as we mentioned, DeAndre Godala and Jake Crowder and Solomon Hill trade, um, Justice Winslow was the crown jewel of that trade. And the, the whole ordeal with Miami and Justice this year kind of started with that Denver game when he was kind of, he was obviously concussed during the play and he went back out there anyway. And, really? Uh, I, yeah. I didn't know that, honestly. Yeah, at least uh, that's me speculating a little bit. I mean, he took a took a shot, I want to say, from Paul Millsap on the drive. And it was very uh, – took a took quite a bump on his head. And he ended up reentering that game and playing for quite a bit. And it was a pretty oh. uncomfortable thing. Oh, yeah. The, see, I, I see Paul Millsap. He played 16 minutes. He probably didn't play in the second half or or at least like – Got it. Got into that at the early third quarter. That makes sense. That's yeah. I think that was that's their interesting. Position. Yeah, and that oh. kind of led to the is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Thing uh, again. Wow. I'm, I'm not. That, that's just that's just kind of me putting two and two together. That's not sourced or anything like that. But Justice went out again, and you know, next time we see him, he's he's with Memphis. I mean, he played a handful of games um, later in the year. But Miami ended up trading because they just didn't think he was going to be able to stay healthy, and that was kind of the big injury this year. Yeah, I mean, he he was kind of out of it for most of the time with Miami, and and I was I was interested in going back to this Nuggets first Miami game because Justice Winslow was playing in that one, and he was starting, and he was a part of it, and Duncan Robinson was on the bench, and mm-hmm. I, I I was kind of flummoxed by that and had to go do a little bit of box score digging, and yeah, you're you're totally right there so that's really interesting that's that's too bad because I mean I I always have been fond of Justice Winslow I think he would be a really good fifth starter in Denver uh, kind of and always have thought that uh, but doesn't seem like that's going to be what's happening and I, I wish him the best in Memphis but it, it obviously that didn't turn out very well and, and he uh, he immediately sustained an injury when he was there so that's that's really too bad that dude is super unlucky yeah, such such a good dude in general. 
Yeah. He he has one of the more unique skill sets in the league. It's a, a six seven guy that can legitimately play point guard for you, can make all the pick and roll reads that you need him to, can defend four positions. Just a just a unique talent. Yeah. Hopefully I I totally agree. Um with regards to this game, I, I would probably say Denver, but that is a very shaky thing right now. And and given that the Nuggets actually do really struggle uh defending teams that, that can uh, play four on three out of out of the short roll like Bam Adebayo and, and Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn can. Uh, that's going to be interesting to me. I think their their bench is going to be a, a big advantage. Denver's bench could be a big advantage, but we've seen Goran Dragic and Kelly Olynyk also kill the Nuggets before in the past. So, uh, okay, never mind. I'm going to give this as an L to the Nuggets. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to say that Miami takes this, but it's going to be a very close game throughout. Uh, and and I have like a, a two in terms of the confidence level of that prediction. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's take a quick, quick oh Jesus, uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll, I just want to get your general thoughts on the Nuggets as contenders, their star core, and we'll we'll wrap up with some brief takes. We'll be right back. title race that's been very well documented by every single espn and tnt person thus far (laughs) uh how far behind the lakers and the clippers in that west title race do you think the nuggets are are they close are they very far away what what is the gap in your mind um i do think the lakers and the clippers are in a tier of their own okay um nuggets would occupy that second tier though um i i feel like a lot of teams are a lot of people are just kind of sleeping on Denver in general. Like, I'm, I'm not sure if it's just because the reputation of Nikola Jokic hasn't caught up with his talent on either end. Um, I, I mean, it still feels like there's this misconception that he's a bad defender. Which right. Is, which is odd to me if you watch him. And the fact that Denver's had a good defense with him on the floor every season of his career. Which is, <laughs> Pretty consistently. It's, it's kind of nuts. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't really get it. <laughs> And so I don't get that. Um, maybe it's the Jamal Murray factor. Maybe they feel like if he's the number two there, then I feel like that's a more valid criticism than what Jokic gets, at least on like a on a casual level. Yeah, when you, when you talk about like, hey, how many how many All Stars do you need to win a championship? Usually the the answer is two or three. Mm-hmm. And Jamal Murray just hasn't been an All Star yet. I think he can be, but you're right, he he hasn't been quite at that level yet. And I totally understand the criticism there. Yeah, so I guess that would just kind of have to be it. Um, another part of that would be that the Nuggets are the three seed right now, and Houston is the six seed, and Houston has just kind of eaten Denver's lunch over the last couple of years. It's just a really odd matchup for them. So if you're looking, if you're trying to project who the contenders are, you have to look at matchups. And if that's their first round matchup, um, I don't think it's egregious to consider Houston a favorite despite the lower seed, just based on the history of those two teams. Sure. But yeah. I think just from a talent perspective, I think Denver's up there, though. Like, uh, 
they, maybe they kind of outperformed themselves defensively. Um, a little bit of three-point percentage luck um, going into the defensive rating, at least early on in the year. Yeah, but, honestly, that regressed. It, it was it was something that a lot of people brought up when they were the top defense in the NBA at the beginning of the year. But now mm-hmm. that they've regressed down to the 13th or so, it's it's kind of in line with where they are. It's 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 they they do have just a little bit of luck, but it's not more or less than what you would generally expect from a team, just given variance from year to year. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they really get a lot of their luck concerns is in the clutch and and. I mean, we've seen Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic hit a lot of clutch shots like over the course of their career. So I kind of don't get it just because like that's that's going to be Denver's formula uh, from a mm-hmm. from a luck perspective. Like it, it's not lucky if you do it year after year. I think. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I digress. Um, the the national media especially has really let or leaned into the Rockets and the Mavs as kind of the the teams that are the most interesting uh, of that next group, uh, Utah, OKC, Denver, call it the mountain time zone uh, bias, if you will. But <laughs> okay. it's it's just, I, I I don't really get it. I mean, we saw Utah, they didn't look great tonight, but but at least they they won against the the hyped up uh, New Orleans Pelicans team. So, yeah. Uh, although that's, that's different levels to this conversation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm interested in, in getting your thoughts on what do you think – what would give you confidence in the Nuggets being able to close that gap? Um, I think you would need – you would need playoff Jamal Murray first and foremost. Okay. Um, you would need for Will Barton to continue the great season that he's had. Uh, I think there's at least a small argument to be made that he's been Denver's second-best player this year. Um, I just yeah, Paul Millsap it, it, and keep hitting threes. Like, that That helps. Sure. So I think it's it's just going to be internal improvement more than anything. I think Murray's going to be the big factor there. If MPJ can give you something, if he can give you a consistent 18 to 20 minutes, he's going to score. And I do think that helps in a playoff situation where you have to take Jokic off the floor sometimes at least. So having a guy like MPJ to kind of carry the offense for you in spurts, I think will help close the gap. Perhaps, um, like end of the first, end of the third, those kind of situations to where you have to give Jokic a little bit of a breather. Sure. Just, uh, just winning on the margins is going to be where it's at for them, I think. Yeah, they've they've been a consistently good team with Jokic and Murray out there. It hasn't been like like they don't have that next gear. I think that a lot of these a lot of these elite teams have. Uh, you see the Bucks go on these unstoppable runs. The Lakers and the Clippers sometimes they put together these lineups that have like massive net rating swings in in which they they just look extremely dominant on both sides of the floor out there. Uh, the Nuggets have been consistently good, and most of the lineups that they throw out there with Murray and Jokic have been consistently good. Uh, but you're right; I think Murray is probably the first probably the first thing there that you you really point to and say, "Hey, if he can get to this particular level." from this particular level where he's currently at, then maybe that changes things. So I'm, I, I, I would definitely look at his, uh, his bubble stats and, and what, what he does during these, during these bubble games, because I think he's actually going to, I really do think he's going to pop during this time. Uh, he just looks very different, very confident, athletic burst, pull up three, uh, actually played really good defense in the first, in his scrimmage too. So that was, not necessarily surprising, but encouraging to say the least. Uh, 
What's your take on Michael Porter Jr.? Where where are you at with him as somebody on the outside who watches him but doesn't necessarily have a tie to him? Um, he's fun. Like I, I want to say there was a stretch in you would have a better handle on this, but I want to say there was a stretch in like mid January to where just yeah. he just couldn't miss a shot. <laughs> it didn't matter what the defense was, who or how many players were on him. Um, just ridiculous three point shoot, just a di- ridiculous three level score in general. And a guy at that size having the ball skills that he does and the shooting ability he does is incredibly rare. Um, he's a fun guy. If he can defend at all, I think he's he's going to be a long term starter for Denver at some at a certain point. Um, probably going to be the natural heir to Paul Millsap if they don't bring him back or just as he ages out. Right. So I I think the sky's the limit for the guy. Um, he just has to defend a little better and off the court kind of get out of his own way. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be that's gonna be a step, I think. Um, you're right, defense as a whole, that definitely seems like a thing. Um, he's got to be more decisive with the ball, less live ball turnovers for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, though, like like you said, the scoring and the shooting talent is just off the charts with him. We think he's going to be a star in Denver just because of what he did during that stretch, what he showed, what he could do when he was given an opportunity at those various points. Mm-hmm. It just was so easy for him. And that's that's what I think is missed uh, in, in the national discussion with him is that he, he wasn't making a ton of tough shots, but even when he took the tough shots, they were also going in. Yeah. Um, at the uh, – he dropped Chris Middleton, who I know you're a massive fan of in, in the my in the Milwaukee game right before he rolled his ankle really badly. Uh, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> have you blocked it. have you blocked that from your mind? <laughs> uh, didn't see it. Didn't see it at all. Uh, he he had that big step back against the Indiana Pacers early in the year where he, he stepped sideways about four feet. Yeah. Uh he just makes a lot of these plays every single game where you're just kind of jaw drops and and he's also just physically dominant on the interior too because mm-hmm. as a six foot ten guy it's very it's it's missed a lot of the time how how great of a rebounder he is in general and that's that's a yeah. tangible skill that he continues to bring to this thing so I think that if he plays he's going to look pretty good I think that when he has played uh, when he gets consistent playing time he's always looked pretty good so we're going to see what happens with him I, I'm excited to to see that pan out for sure. Um, how many questions as a Miami Heat writer do you get about Bull Bull? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's the, that's the only way to answer that one. Uh, for um, for what I, for what if people don't understand what I'm talking about, the the Nuggets traded into the second round to acquire Ball Ball with the 44th overall pick, and the previous owners of that pick, uh, much like the Rudy Gobert selection, much like the Donovan Mitchell selection for the Nuggets, was the Miami Heat at 44 overall. So, uh, what what have you thought of him at this point? Uh, I have lost a lot of sleep. Okay, maybe not. It's not that serious. But uh, I was I was one of the people on draft night that was upset. Um, once I saw his name come up, <laughs> he was going to Miami. I was like, "Oh, this is it. This this is the this is the swing that Miami needed to take, especially after the hero pick that I wasn't a I wasn't a fan of at the time. Uh, I feel like that was one of the things that kind of saved the draft for Miami, as ridiculous as they probably sounds now. But uh, sure. yeah, I was, I was pretty high. I was like, "Well, this is a seven two guy that might just be the best shooter in the class." Um, if 
you know, obviously has some health concerns and the defense is bad. But Miami is a team that plays a lot of zone, and that's the one context that Bobo can thrive in defensively. So I'm just like, hey, you, this this is the kind, this is what you need to do. Like you're a team that already plays zone. Um, you're looking for some, you need you need to swing some, for some upside for some shot creation. Bobo can do that. Um, he's a guy that could, if he does stay healthy, he's a guy that can play alongside Bam Adebayo. Bam can guard yeah. bigger guys, yeah. and, or if you want to run zone, good luck with Bam oh Bowling and Jimmy Butler on the court at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jesus, yeah. So just having all those thoughts and then immediately seeing that, that the pick was had already been agreed to be traded, and I'm just like, well, that just that just stinks. Like the mood just <laughs> the soul just completely left my body at that point. Oh, but, that, uh, yeah, that hurts. That I, you know, because it's it's funny because the Nuggets have gotten jokes from. Jazz Twitter about that forever about mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell being a former Nugget and about Rudy Gobert being a former Nugget and how the Nuggets have really built the Jazz culture over the past couple of seasons. <laughs> uh, and so I, I do I do understand it to an extent. This was a second round pick, and so I, I kind of I hope it isn't lost on people that like that this was a really big swing that the Nuggets were taking, and mm-hmm. and it just it it at least now after several months appears that it could work out. Uh, how much of the chance, how much of a chance have you had to watch his scrimmage highlights and, and where do you see ball ball fitting with this nuggets team going forward? Oh, uh, well, I have seen all of it. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I had to, oh man, I, I had, I had, to, I had to check it out. Oh, uh, once I saw awesome. the graphic and ball was basically starting at the three, I was like, yes, let me, uh, I wanted to see how he did anyway, but once I Hell saw yeah. that, I'm just like, okay, yeah, Jokic at the one, Jeremy Grant the two, sure, sign me up for some crazy basketball. But I mean, it's it's what you would expect if you if you had a feeling who Bobo was. Um, had some ridiculous shooting flashes. Um, in the first game, there was the pull up three week waves off, <laughs> kind of waves off Jokic and just pulls that was twenty eight feet. That was like, a lot of fun. Like that's fun. Um, see him coming off of dribble handoffs, coming off of stagger screens. Like the shooting touch has been there, um, the shot blocking in the zone has been there. He's blocked a lot of jumpers, and he's like, "Well, this is what he does. He's long and lanky. He can get the balls that other humans can dream of doing." Um, he's also very easy to move. Um, the handle's also very loose. He uh, also doesn't make quick decisions. Um, I mean, there's there's obviously uh, the foul. I mean, he he can foul quite a bit. Um, the mobility isn't great. So, I mean, the highs are high. The lows are very low. This is why that, in um, in conjunction with the injury issues, is why he went mid-second round to begin with. Sure. So, he's you sound fun. You sound bitter, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he's a fun guy, man. Like, I, I'm going to follow I'm going to follow his career. Like, even beyond, like, the, the actual on-court stuff. Like, this man, he's been a 2K legend for me for the last three years. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> I've been following that series with you for a while, man. <laughs> oh, man, it's – oh, man, some of my close friends still hate me for <laughs> for the way I use Bobo. <laughs> uh, love it. Yeah, so uh, I, I – yeah, no, I, I let me let me let me stop you there. The the defense is definitely a concern. I have difficulty taking it too seriously given the fact that he was playing the small forward position, mm-hmm. uh, given that he was asked to be on the perimeter for a lot of these games and not play center. I don't think he's played any center minutes yet. Uh, so I I struggle to 
uh, discredit the defense and the mobility too much because he just doesn't, he isn't playing the angles that he normally would mm-hmm. in man to man defense right now. Uh, now that to be said, there is a lot of concern in the perimeter mobility. Like you said, the Nuggets did give up a lot of threes and a lot of made threes in their last scrimmage against the Orlando Magic, mm-hmm. like has been previously discussed. Uh, that was with them at the four, a little bit, a little bit closer to reality. Uh, given given that he played with Porter and Plumley and played in between those two guys, so mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to watch him. I don't think he's going to play in the seeding. I mean, actually, well, I'm, I'm, I'll rephrase that. I think he is going to play in these seeding games a little bit. I don't think it's going to be cut off immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Michael Malone is very very serious about winning, then I don't think he plays ball ball right now. But if he's serious about getting everybody healthy, getting everybody ready for a playoff run, then I think Bull Bull probably takes some of those reps, probably takes some some time when Mason Plumlee isn't playing or mm-hmm. when he's playing at the four and if the Nuggets have to go big for various stretches of their time. So it's going to be fun. I, I think a lot of Nuggets fans are, are, are on the Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter Jr., Bull Bull train and, and having those four guys as the, uh, as the future prospects of the team. Good Lord. <laughs> oh, man. That, that, that just sounds like a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it, man. It's, it's going to be a lot of, it's going to be a lot of fun to cover. Uh, we're, we're running a little bit along, so I'm, I'm going to save my, uh, I'm going to save my Nikola Jokic stuff. Um, let's just, let's get to this real quick. Uh, well, actually, no, let's, let's talk about skinny Jokic. When, when you, when you heard about that, what was your first reaction? Like when you heard the, the hey, he's lost a bunch of weight. He looks great. Uh, what what was your first reaction to his basketball play? Uh, my first thought, honestly, was good luck because I felt like, um, as we kind of alluded to earlier, like Jokic has been an underrated defender, right, um, throughout his entire career. Um, people that don't watch him regularly, uh, they just miss just how much activity he has at the level in pick and roll. Um, just yeah. how many deflections he gets. Um, I do feel like that's the best way to leverage um, his abilities, but also it's a way to hide him because he, he isn't explosive enough or he isn't mobile enough to kind of cut off those angles and ensure there's no drop coverage. He doesn't have yeah. like the length or vertical explosion to kind of contest shots at the rim. So it makes more sense to play him higher in pick and rolls anyway. But if he's, if he's turned some of the fat into strength or it just, or just losing some of the fat in general, that should help the mobility a little bit. And that's going to give um, Denver a little bit more flexibility to play a more traditional pick-and-roll coverage if they need to. And that's just going to help him in general. Um, offensively, I've heard people um, voice concerns about him losing their weight because he can just kind of punk guys on the block whenever he needs to. But, I mean, even if he loses 2% of his uh, strength on the post, you can't teach the touch that he has. You right. can't teach the footwork that he has. Um, if you want to run the risk of giving Nikola Jokic consistent one-on-one coverage on the block, be my guest. I can guarantee you he's <laughs> yeah. going to, he's going, you're going to send doubles at some point, and he's going to go right back to picking you apart with passes. So, and if he has turned that fat into uh, into the strength, like if he's stronger now, again, good luck. Uh, you can <laughs> give him single coverage if you want to. Um, that box score is going to say 38, 18, and 14 very quickly. Jesus. Oh, man. I, I'm, I, that's the, the thing I want the most now. Not, not, not 20 minutes of Michael Porter Jr. or Jamal Murray flurries 
uh, 38, 18, and 14 from Jokic on a consistent <laughs> basis would be crazy. Um, I'm, I'm here for that. Uh, there is a little bit of a misconception in the national media about his weight. He was dropping weight a long time before those pictures actually came out, before the quarantine even started. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of got got by Anthony Davis on, his, on actually my birthday on December 3rd. Uh, back in the early parts of the season. And he finally admitted at that point in a post-game presser that he was slumping. Uh, from that point on, he started putting in a bunch of work in the weight room and, and he was even lifting after games. He started getting a little bit shredded. And, and this seems to be kind of the, at least close to the final product for him. Uh, he looks great. Uh, that's, that just seems to be like something that the national media misses is that the weight that he actually dropped was during the season and not during quarantine. Uh, and right. he didn't drop 40 pounds. Like, I, I know that that was the report. Maybe <laughs> maybe he dropped 40 pounds over the course of the time from December 3rd to now. Mm-hmm. But if anything, it's it's probably closer to 30. Um, let's let's uh, – quick question. Where does Jokic fit in the pecking order of the top stars right now in your mind? And, and how high can he rise? Um. He's a top, I mean, he's comfortably a top 10 guy for me. Um, what would probably be seen as a bit of a hot take, I guess, in NBA Twitter is that I think Jokic is the best center in basketball. Sure. Uh, I, I mean, I, I would take him over Embiid. Um, <clears throat> so I would pro- I would say that he's probably in that 7 to 10 range in the top 10, but I think he's still comfortably a top 10 guy. Um, in terms of how good he can, how high he can go, um, I think that's going to be a bit contingent on him. Um, obviously, passing is his best asset, but I do feel like there's still there are still stretches in games. There are, there are halves to where he. I mean, I've seen a lot of Denver box scores to where Jokic is like uh, one for two in the first half. Right. And it's just it's just kind of an odd thing. Like at least force doubles. Like I, I mean, just kind of there are just some moments where I feel like he isn't leaving his imprint on a game as much as he could be, even if he still decides to pass, just the kind of forcefulness uh, I feel like he's right. missing sometimes. If that's solved, and we saw a lot of that in the playoffs last year, um, particularly that, what, was it three overtime, four overtime game last year where he played basically every minute in the second half? <laughs> yeah, it was it, six, 65 out of 68 minutes. Yeah, right just, just an absurd performance. Like, he, <laughs> he can – and he was aggressive through most of it. So I, I feel like it's in him. If he get if he if he taps into that on a more consistent basis, he can be a top five guy. I mean, he's he guarantees you a top five, top six offense by himself. I feel like, and that combined with the defense, which remains underrated, like I, I don't think it's a hot take to call him a two way player. Yeah, so he, I, he definitely doesn't get that label on a consistent basis. But I feel like people miss a lot of the time that he's a much better defender right now than Luka Doncic is. Yeah, uh, and. Despite that fact, I mean, Luca gets a lot of the credit for uh, being the the orchestrator and and the guy who has risen up the ranks as the the new shiny Euro. Uh, mm-hmm. th- this isn't really a rivalry that's 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 developing between the Mavericks and the Nuggets, but it is kind of absurd that Jokic had to go through all of these criticisms about his game when he's actually been a better defender than uh, Luka Doncic for the entirety of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, we're going to see how that goes. But I agree with you. I think top five is very reasonable. 
I, I don't think like, there's a very small chance that he could be the best player in the NBA. I don't think he ever reaches that. I think that's going to be reserved for guys like Giannis, uh, Luca, as he continues to get better Zion, if he ever plays more than 15 minutes in a game. Um, <laughs> but we're going to see, we're going to see how that goes. Um, but yeah, you are officially invited onto future Denver Stiffs podcasts in the in the foreseeable future, Nikias. Uh, top five, that would be that would be great. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Just let uh, me know. I will spread the I'll spread the gospel of Jokic. Awesome. Hey man, I, I appreciate you taking the time here. Is there anything you want to plug before before we head on out? Uh nothing in particular right now. Um, just follow my account. I'm tweeting out clips, um, doing some in-game breakdowns. Um, haven't done any for Lakers Clippers yet, just because I've, I've been uh, you know, talking talking some ball with you, enjoying that. But I'm uh, going to get back to that after this pod ends. I'm going to be doing that throughout the year. going to have WNBA and also NBA clips on the timeline. So uh, follow me at Nikias NBA. Awesome, man. Hey, again, thank you so much for taking the time. He is Nikias Duncan. Make sure to follow him. Make sure to give him some love. Uh, lots of great stuff over there on his on his Twitter page, and anytime he he gets the opportunity to write, it's usually a killer article. So make sure to give him credit for that. Uh, other than that, man, it's it's been great. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the Denver Stiff Show. I'm Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn, your host. We will be having a recap podcast, probably a a, a quick hot take podcast after the Saturday game against the Heat going to be a lot of fun should be a party definitely going to see a nuggets win in that one <laughs> I, I don't know we well whatever happens happens and we're going to react to it and have a good time so everybody thank you so much for tuning in and i will talk to you guys very soon <laughs>